Section 18 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cao Yuqing in Singapore. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2 by Cao Yuqing. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolly. Chapter 34, Part 1. Dai Yu loves Pao Yu with extreme affection, but on account of this affection, her female cousin gets indignant. Xue Pang commits a grave mistake, but Bao Chai makes this mistake a pretext to tender advice to her brother. When Xi Ren saw Dowager Lady Jia, Madame Wang, and the other members of the family take their leave, our narrative says she entered the room. And, taking a seat next to Bao Yu, she asked him, while she did all she could to hide her tears, How was it that he beat you to such extremes? Bao Yu heaved a sigh. It was simply, he replied, about those trifles. But what's the use of your asking me about them? The lower part of my body is so very sore. Do you look and see where I'm bruised. At these words, Xiren put out her hand, and inserting it gently under his clothes, she began to pull down the middle garment. She had but slightly moved them, however, when Bao Yu ground his teeth and groaned, Aiya! Xiren at once stayed her hand. It was after three or four similar attempts that she, at length, succeeded in drawing them down. Then, looking closely, Xiren discovered that the upper part of his legs was all green and purple, one mass of scars four fingers wide, and covered with huge blisters. Xiren gnashed her teeth. My mother, she ejaculated, how is it that he struck you with such a ruthless hand? Had you minded the least bit of my advice to you, things wouldn't have come to such a pass. Luckily, no harm was done to any tendon or bone, for had you been crippled by the thrashing you got, what could we do? In the middle of these remarks, she saw the servant girls come, and they told her that Miss Baochai had arrived. Hearing this, Siren saw well enough that she had no time to put in on his middle garments, so forthwith snatching a double gauge coverlet, she threw it over Bao Yu. This done, she perceived Bao Chai walk in, her hands laden with pills and medicines. At night, she said to Siren, take these medicines and dissolve them in wine, and then apply them on him, and when the fiery virus from that stagnant blood has been dispelled, he'll be all right again. After these directions, she handed the medicines to Siren. Is he feeling any better now? She proceeded to inquire. Thanks, rejoined Bao Yu. I'm feeling better. He at the same time went on to say, after which he pressed her to take a seat. Bao Chai noticed that he could open his eyes wide, that he could speak, and that he was not as bad as he had been, and she felt considerable inward relief. But nodding her head, she sighed. If I had long ago listened to the least bit of the advice tendered to you by people, things would not have reached this climax today, she said. Not to speak of the pain experienced by our dear ancestor and Aunt Wang, the sight of you in this state makes even us feel at heart. Just as she had uttered half of the remark she meant to pass, she quickly suppressed the rest, and smitten by remorse for having spoken too hastily, she could not help getting red in the face and lowering her head.
Pao yü was realizing how affectionate, how friendly, and how replete with deep meaning were the sentiments that dropped from her mouth, when, of a sudden, he saw her seal her lips and, flashing crimson, droop her head, and simply fumble with her girdle. Yet so fascinating was she in those timid blushes, which completely baffled description that his feelings were roused within him to such a degree that all sense of pain flew at once beyond the empyrean i've only had to bear a few blows he reflected and yet every one of them puts on those pitiful looks sufficient to evoke love and regard so were after all any mishap or untimely end to unexpectedly befall me who can tell how much more afflicted they won't be and as they go on in this way I shall have them, were I even to die in a moment, to feel so much for me. So there will indeed be no reason for regret, albeit the concerns of a whole lifetime will be thus flung entirely to the winds. While indulging in these meditations, he overheard Bao Chai ask Xi Ren, how is it that he got angry without rhyme or reason and started beating him? And Xi Ren told her in reply, the version given to her by Fei Ming. Bao Yu had, in fact, no idea as yet of what had been said by Jia Huan, and when he heard Xi Ren's disclosures, he eventually got to know what it was, but as it also criminated Xue Pan, he feared that Bao Chai might feel unhappy, so he lost no time in interrupting Xi Ren. Cousin Xue, he interposed, has never been like that. You people mustn't therefore give away to idle surmises. These words were enough to make Bao Chai see that Bao Yu had thought it expedient to say something to stop Siren's mouth, apprehending that her suspicions might get roused, and she consequently secretly mused within herself. He has been beaten to such a pitch, and yet, heedless of his own pains and aches, he's still so careful not to hurt people's feelings. But since you can be so considerate, why don't you take a little more care and greater concerns outside, so that your father should feel a little happier, and that you also should not have to suffer such bitter ordeals? But notwithstanding that the dread of my feeling hurt has prompted you to interrupt Shiren in what she had to tell me, is it likely that I am blind to the fact that my brother has ever followed his fancies, allowed his passions to run riot, and never done a thing to exercise any check over himself? His temperament is such that he sometimes back-created, all on account of that fellow Qing Zhong, a rumpus that turned heaven and earth topsy-turvy. And, as a matter of course, he's now far worse than he was ever before. You people, she then observed aloud, at the close of these cogitations, shouldn't bear this one or that one a grudge. I can't help thinking that it's, after all, because of your usual readiness, cousin Bao Yu, to hobnob with that set that your father recently lost control over his temper. But assuming that my brother did speak in a careless manner, and did casually allude to you, cousin Bao Yu, it was with no design to instigate anyone. In the first place, the remarks he made were really founded on actual facts, and secondly, he's not one to ever trouble himself about such petty trifles as trying to guard against animosities. Ever since your youth up, Miss Xi, you've simply had before your eyes a person so punctilious as cousin Bao Yu, 
But have you ever had any experience of one like that brother of mine, who neither fears the powers in heaven or in earth, and who regularly blurts out all his things? Xi Ren, seeing Pao Yu interrupt her at the bare mention of Xue Pan, understood at once that she must have spoken recklessly, and gave way to misgivings lest Pao Chai might not have been placed in a false position. But when she heard the language used by Pao Chai, she was filled with a keener sense of shame and could not utter a word. Pao Yu too, after listening to the sentiments which Pao Chai expressed, felt partly because they were so magnanimous and noble, and partly because they banished all misconception from his mind, his heart and soul throb with great emotion than ever before. When, however, about to put in his word, he noticed Pao Chai rise to her feet. I'll come again to see you tomorrow, she said, but take good care of yourself. I gave the medicines I brought just now to Siren. Let her rub you with them at night, and I feel sure you'll get all right. With these recommendations, she walked out of the door. Siren hastened to catch her up and escorted her beyond the court. Miss, she remarked, we've really put you to the trouble of coming. Some other day, when Mr. Secundus is well, I shall come in person to thank you. What's there to thank me for? replied Bao Chai, turning her head round and smiling. But mind, you advise him to carefully tend his health, and not to give way to idle thoughts and reckless ideas, and he'll recover. If there's anything he fancies to eat or amuse himself with, Come quietly over to me and fetch it for him. There will be no use to disturb either our old lady or Madame Wang or any of the others, for in the event of its reaching Mr. Jia Zheng's ear, nothing may at the time come of it. But if by and by he finds it to be true, we will doubtless suffer for it. While tendering this advice, she went on her way. Xiren retraced her steps and returned into the room fostering genuine feelings of gratitude for Bao Chai. But on entering, she espied Bao Yu silently lost in deep thought, and looking as if he were asleep, and yet not quite asleep, so she withdrew into the outer quarters to comb her hair and wash. Bao Yu, meanwhile, lay motionless in bed. His buttocks tingled with pain, as if they were pricked with needles or dug with knives, giving him to put a fiery sensation just as if fire were eating into them. He tried to change his position a bit, but unable to bear the anguish, he burst into groans. The shades of evening were by this time falling. Perceiving that though Xiren had left his side, there remained still two or three waiting maids in attendance, he said to them, as he could find nothing for them to do just then, you might as well go and comb your hair and perform your ablutions. Come in when I call you. Hearing this, they likewise retired. During this while, Bao Yu fell into a drowsy state. Jiang Yuhan then rose before his vision and told him all about his capture by men from the Zhongshui mansion. Presently, Jing Chuan too appeared in his room, bathed in tears, and explained to him the circumstances which drove her to leap into the well. But Bao Yu, who was half dreaming and half awake, was not able to give his mind to anything that was told him. Unawares, he became conscious of someone having given him a push, and faintly fell on his ear the plaintive tones of some person in distress. Bao Yu was startled out of his dreams. On opening his eyes, he 
found it to be no other than Lin Daiyu. But still fearing that it was only a dream, he promptly raised himself and, drawing near her face, he passed her features under a minute scrutiny. Seeing her two eyes so swollen as to look as big as peaches, and her face glistening all over with tears, if it is not Daiyu, he thought, who else can it be? Pao Yu meant to continue his scrutiny, but the lower part of his person gave him such unbearable sharp twitches that finding it a hard task to keep up, he, with a shout of "Ayo," lay himself down again, as he heaved a sigh. What do you once more come here for? He asked. The sun, it is true, has set, but the heat remaining on the ground hasn't yet gone, so you may, by coming over, get another sunstroke. Of course, I had a thrashing, but I don't feel any pains or aches. If I behave in this fashion, it will be all put on to work upon their credulity, so that they may go and spread the reports outside in such a way as to reach my father's ear. Really, it's all sham, so you must treat it as a fact. Though Ling Daiyu was not giving away at the time to any wails or loud sobs, yet the more she indulged in those suppressed plaints of hers, the worse she felt her breath get choked and her throat obstructed, so that when Bao Yu's assurances fell on her ear, she could not express a single sentiment, though she treasured thousands in her mind. It was only after a long pause that she at last could observe, with agitated voice, You must, after this, turn over a new leaf. At these words, Bao Yu heaved a deep sigh. Compose your mind, he urged. Don't speak to me like this, for I'm quite prepared to even lay down my life for all those persons. But scarcely had he concluded this remark than someone outside the court was heard to say, Our Lady Secunda has arrived. Ling Daiyu readily concluded that it was Lady Feng coming, so springing to her feet at once. I'm off, she said, out by the back court. I'll look you up again by and by. This is indeed strange, exclaimed Pao Yu as he laid hold of her and tried to detain her. How is it that you've deliberately started living in fear and trembling of her? Ling Daiyu grew impatient and stamped her feet. Look at my eyes, she added in an undertone. Must those people amuse themselves again by poking fun at me? After this response, Pao Yu speedily let her go. Dai Yu, with hurried step, withdrew behind the bed, and no sooner had she issued into the back court than Lady Feng made her appearance in the room by the front entrance. Are you better? she asked Pao Yu. If you fancy anything to eat, mind you send someone over to my place to fetch it for you. Thereupon, Mrs. Xu also came to pay him a visit. Shortly after, a messenger likewise arrived from old Lady Jia to inquire after him. When the time came to prepare the lights, Bao Yu had a couple of mouthfuls of soup to eat, but he felt so drowsy and heavy that he fell asleep. Presently, Zhou Rei's wife, Wu Xingdeng's wife, and Zheng Haoshi's wife, all of whom were road dames who frequently went to and fro, heard that Bao Yu had been flocked, and they too hurried into his quarters. Xiren promptly went out to greet them. Aunts, she whispered, smiling, you've come a little too late. Master Secundus is sleeping. Saying this, she led them into the room on the opposite side, and, pressing them to sit down, she poured them some tea. After sitting perfectly still for a time, 
And when Master Secundus awakes, the dames observed, "Do send us word." Xiran assured them that she would, and escorted them out. Just, however, as she was about to retrace her footsteps, she met an old matron sent over by Madame Wang, who said to her, "Our mistress wants one of Master Secundus's attendants to go and see her." Upon hearing this message, Xiran communed with her own thoughts. Then, turning round, she whispered to Qin Wen, She Yue, Qiu Wen, and the other maids, "Our lady wishes to see one of us, so be careful and remain in the room while I go. I'll be back soon." At the close of her injunctions, she and the matron made their exit out of the garden by a shortcut, and repaired into the drawing room. Madame Wan was seated on a cool couch, waving a banana leaf fan. When she became conscious of her arrival, it didn't matter whom you sent," she remarked. "Anyone would have done. But have you left him again? Who's there to wait on him?" At this question, Siren lost no time in forcing a smile. Master Secundus," she replied, "just now fell into a sound sleep. Those four or five girls are all right now. They are well able to attend to their master. So please, madam, dispel all anxious thoughts. I was afraid that your ladyship might have some orders to give." And that if I sent any of them, they might probably not hear distinctly, and thus occasion delay in what there was to be done. Um, there's nothing much to tell you," added Madame Wan. "I only wish to ask how his pains and aches are getting on now." "I applied on Mister Secundus," answered Xi Ren, "the medicine which Miss Bao Chai brought over, and he's getting better than he was. He was so sore at one time that he couldn't lie comfortably, but the deep sleep." In which he is plunged now is a clear sign of his having improved. Has he had anything to eat? Further inquired Madame Wang. Our dowager mistress sent him a bowl of soup. Siren continued, and of this he has had a few mouthfuls. He shouted and shouted that his mouth was parched and fancied a decoction of sour plums, but remembering that sour plums are astringent things, that he had been thrashed only a short time before, and that not having been allowed to groan, he must, of course, have been so hard pressed that fiery virus and heated blood must unavoidably have accumulated in the heart, and that were he to put anything of the kind within his lips, it might be driven into the cardiac regions and give rise to some serious illness. And what then would we do? I therefore reasoned with him for ever so long, and at last succeeded in deterring him from touching any. So, simply taking the syrup of roses prepared with sugar, I mixed some with water, and he had half a small cup of it. But he drank it with distaste, for being surfeited with it, he found it ne- neither scented nor sweet. Aya! Ejaculated Madame Wang. Why didn't you come earlier and tell me? Someone sent me the other day several bottles of scented water. I meant at one time to have given him some, but as as I feared that it would be mere waste, I didn't let him have any. But since he is so sick and tired of what preparation of roses, that he turns up his nose at it, take those two bottles with you. If you just mix a teaspoonful of it in a cup of water, it will impart to it a very strong perfume. So saying, she hastened to tell Cai Ming to fetch the bottles of scented water, which she had received as a present a few days before. Let her only bring a couple of them; they'll be enough. Siren chimed in, "If you give us more, it will be a useless waste. If it isn't enough, I can come and fetch a fresh supply. 
it will come to the same thing. Having listened to all they had to say, Taiming left the room. After some considerable time, she, in point of fact, returned with only a couple of bottles, which she delivered to Siren. On examination, Siren saw two small glass bottles, no more than three inches in size, with screwing silver stoppers at the top. On the glossings, yellow labels was written on one, pure extract of olea fragrance. On the other, pure extract of roses. What fine things these are! Siren smiled. How many small bottles the like of this can there be? They're of the kind sent to the palace, rejoined Madame Wan. Didn't she notice that gossling yellow slip? But mind, take good care of them or for him. Don't fritter them away. Siren assented. She was back to depart when Madame Wan called her back. I've thought of something, she said, that I want to ask you. Siren hastily came back. Madame Wan made sure that there was no one in the room. I've heard a faint rumour, she then inquired, to the effect that Pao Yu got a thrashing on this occasion on account of something or other which Huang told my husband. Have you perchance heard what it was that he said? If you happen to learn anything about it, do confide in me, and I won't make any fuss and let people know that it was you who told me. I haven't heard anything of the kind, answered Siren. It was because Mrs. Secundus forcibly detained an actor, and that people came and asked Master to restore him to them that he got flogged. It was also for this, continued Madame Wan, as she nodded her head. But there's another reason besides. As for the other reason, I honestly haven't the least idea about it, explained Siren. But I'll make bold today, and say something in your presence, madam, about which I don't know whether I am right or wrong in speaking. According to what's proper, she had only spoken half a sentence when hastily she closed her mouth again. Are you all at liberty to proceed? urged Madame Wang. If your ladyship will not get angry, I'll speak out, remarked Siren. Why should I get angry? observed Madame Wang. Proceed. According to what's proper, resumed Siren, our Mr. Secundus should receive our master's admonition, for if master doesn't hold him in check, there's no saying what he might do in the future. As soon as Madame Wan heard this, she clapped her hands and uttered the invocation, Ermi Tuofu. Unable to resist the impulse, she drew near Siren. My dear child, she added, you have also luckily understood the real state of things. What you told me is in perfect harmony with my own views. Is it likely that I don't know how to look after a son? In former days, when your elder master, Zhu, was alive, how did I succeed in keeping him in order? And can it be that I don't, after all, now understand how to manage a son? But there's a why and wherefore in it. The thought is ever-present in my mind now, that I'm already a woman past fifty, that of my children there only remains this single one, that he too is developing a delicate physique, and that, what's more, our dear senior prizes him as much as she would a jewel, that were he kept on a strict control, and anything perchance to happen to him, she might, an old lady as she is, sustain some harm from resentment, and that, as the high as well as the low will then have no peace or quiet, won't things get in a bad way? So I feel prompted to spoil him by overindulgence. Time and again I reason with him, 
Sometimes I talk to him. Sometimes I advise him. Sometimes I cry with him. But though for the time being he's all right, he doesn't later on worry his mind in any way about what I say, until he positively gets into some other mess when he settles down again. But should any harm befall him through these floggings, upon whom I depend by and by? As she spoke, she could not help melting into tears. End of section eighteen. Recording by Cao Yuxing in Singapore.